How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow podcast. Ooh. Yeah, it's uh, with 2019, uh, ZKJ. We're going for a different approach. A more structured future. (laughs) Less chaotic. (laughs) A little bit more uh, chill. But um, the Cinema Sideshow, we aim to deliver you one review of a film that we've all watched on the podcast. Jake and I will be hosting this show with... Hopefully, guests in the future. Hopefully. 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 People like us enough <laughs> to guess on the show. Oh, they liked us enough to listen to Blue Velvet. That's so, true. Um, but yeah, Past. no, it'll be, a fresh, <laughs> it'll be a fresh direction where we're going to tackle one movie a week. Um, we're going to share a little bit more about our own personal journeys that we'll mm. have. Um, we'll talk about things in the past week, just as we'll also discuss movies coming out currently in the cinemas. Um, and if any of those in catch the, out. In the right. cinema? Yes. Oh, wow. Well, this is a cinema sideshow. This is a sideshow to cinema. Gotcha. I see. Yeah. I see what's happening now. Um, this week, we'll be undertaking um, a film that we both watched in the last week. Ooh, yes. Um, Private Life. Private Life. Private Life, directed by Tamara Jenkins. This is her third directing gig okay. that I've discovered over my research. Over a bit of research. We've actually done some research. Starring uh, Paul Private Giamatti, Catherine Hahn, and Kaylee Carter. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking about that later in the show. Kaylee's uh, the the young one. Yes, yes, she's really yes. good. Yes, she's really we'll, good. We'll, we'll get to teasing, it. Teasing, we'll get teasing. to it. A little teaser there. But um, as of right now, uh, we'll just move into basically highlights of the past week in film for us. Mm. Uh, any films that we might have come exciting. across. But uh, yeah, well, we're just welcome. This is episode one. Yeah, we're jumping in. This is exciting. It is pretty crazy. It's crazy to be trying something new. Um, yeah. Something a bit more structure. Yeah, I oh, think it's exciting. I'm glad it's been it's been a little while since we've done podcasts, and I really miss it. I missed him too. So missed him over our, over our break. Yeah, so we couldn't hold off. Break with quotation marks. Break. <laughs> well, we've been doing a lot of stuff. We've been doing a lot. We've been very busy during our break. I'm just gonna keep you there for a little little mini well, pregnant pause. Just, just break. I'll just. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw you to last week. You, have you what have you seen last last week, Jake? Anything that's catch week? catch your eye? Well, it's it's interesting. I think I think because it's we're in mid to late January now, so I, th- I think we can kind of we can go as far back as the first of January. I think we can talk about the yes. year. Yes. Um, which I think I, you you have you have kind of a, a situation a there. I do. Do you want to tell people um, about? Yeah. So with there? obviously being both of us trying to have a podcast where it's a platform where we talk about our own progression as 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 film students and like the journey we're undergoing by watching other people's works and talking about it as well mm-hmm. as making our own stuff. Um, I saw you last year attempted a 365 challenge. Right. So at the start of 2018, I made a post on Facebook and I said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna try watch one movie per day, totaling 365 films throughout the year." Mm-hmm. Now it didn't go very well. And well, to keep in mind, this is 365 new movies that I hadn't seen prior. So mm-hmm. if I rewatch a movie I've seen or love, it doesn't count. And I think I ended up watching like 62 films. So I was pretty yes. behind the bar, but yes. it was a good challenge. Couple of it, comedy specials. Couple of comedy specials. Uh, I counted uh, three separate Bill Burr specials <laughs> as three separate films <laughs> I watched. My noteworthy. Which is, to be fair, counts. They're feature length. Absolutely, yeah. Over an hour long. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was good because even though I didn't hit the milestone, it still gave me a bit of breadth and depth. You know, no, absolutely. What I watched. And I saw the post and was mm. like, I want to give that a go. All right. So 2019 now. 2019. Yeah, yeah. So I have now you're, you're started. Doing, you're doing inter- far better than me so far. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a crazy time though. Um, yeah. so obviously, I'm doing this thing. I've put it under the 365 film challenge. Been carrying it on Instagram, and I think I'll 
probably what's, keep carrying. Plug yourself. What's your Instagram? Uh, it's uh, Zeke, Zeke MH. That's actually um, pretty good, though. It's very simple. Yeah, Z-E-K. so Z-E-K-M-H. Yeah. Um, and so I, if you go to your Instagram, if you go on your stories every my st- day, you will post a mini I, review. I'm thinking of starting an Instagram profile for it, the 365 Film Challenge. Okay. Because you only get 10 seconds on the story. And right, my okay. reviews have been pretty lengthy in part, so it's been a bit they're, of a pain for some. They're quite good. They're quite like short little teasers almost. So we can get into private life because that was the reason. One I of got them into it. was private life. Yeah. yeah. So um, and your your review and keep in mind in Instagram stories. You've got like ten second page where you can write. It's basically a tweet. You basically have to do a tweet length yes. review. And um, you'll want a private life. Maybe watch it almost immediately. Yeah, that was kind of where so. I started with it. I kind of wanted to. Use it as a way to make people suggest films to me that I haven't seen, or yeah. me then putting out films that people may not have heard of that they get to watch. For instance, first instance was um, Stronger, which oh, was the second right. film. I've yet to Jake see Jake Hall. One of my friends was like, I watched that film and I really enjoyed it because you watched it. I think it was not. I'll just go through them now. So every week I will say the seven from the last week, but because obviously we're three this weeks into January. One. Yep. I've got 21. 21. Right now. That's insane. Um, what? What? Yeah, no, because the first was a Sunday. Yeah. And we're recording this on a Sunday. So, yeah, it's, 21, that adds up. Yes. It's Monday, Jake. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm hor- it's Monday. Oh, I'm terrible. Uh, but, yes, every seven I've put up in, in blocks. But as of right now, um, in order of watching them, <laughs> Inside Lewin Davis, 2013, Stronger, 2017, Garden State, 2004, The Lobster, 2014. Very nice, very nice. Uh, Bird Box, 2018. Mm-hmm. Zodiac, uh, 2007. The Favourite, 2018. Hey, we the, watched that together, that we one. We did. Um, the Dish, 2000. Uh, Delt, 2017. Private Life, 2018. Which will be coming on later on the show. Uh, the Informant, 2011. Uh, Breath, or Breathe, sorry. I don't know how to... It's I breathe. think it's Breathe, yes. 2018. Oh, I watched, yeah, that's right. I watched that one too. Vice, 2018. Heat, 1995. We're the Millers, 2013. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Raging Bull, 1980. Nice. Uh, Death Trap, 1982. Pork Pie, 2017. The Cured, 2017. Mm. Murder Party, 2007. And tonight will be Wake and Fright, 1973. Mm. That is a solid list, my yes. friend. Yes, a ridiculous mix of different and that, things. That's the thing. That's what I love about this challenge so much and the way you're doing it. You're not watching, like... Here's 20 Marvel films in a row. I mean, I know yeah. that you would have seen, <laughs> yeah. seen more. Than, but, like, you're not doing the more generic. You're picking, like, real gems. Yeah. Real obscure stuff out there. And a lot of them do, every time someone's recommended one, um, I'm looking forward to, there's a Japanese documentary that um, a friend recommended. Um, and it's a Japanese documentary about shoplifters and stuff oh, like okay. that. And I'm intrigued to watch that, and that's coming up that is really in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, every time I see these with people, like I saw The Favourite with you and yep. James. I saw Breath based on you having seen it. I saw Private Life based on you having seen it. Yeah, and I think every like I'll bring out every seven for each week and then we just discuss if you've seen them or haven't seen them or yeah. you're intrigued to see them. and Just basically another platform to keep to up to date on it. It's I think it's really, it's definitely been interesting. Um, I mean, because you've picked a really interesting list of films, like a really diverse, yeah. fascinating list. And you're not, you're not, you're not skewering towards like, oh, what's what's like a short film? What's a seventy minute film? What's a shit film? Like, you're not doing that. No, you're actually, generally, you're picking really. Well, good Well, a lot picks. of people like Where the Millers. Um, yeah. Okay. I remember 
Jack actually had a go at me because I said oh, really? it was pretty average, and he was like, "Oh, really? No, it's one of the best comedies of the last decade." Oh, wow! Okay, and it doesn't I was... look like it on the surface. It's funny in parts, okay, but it's it's just lazy. Yeah, to me. it feels kind of What's... like jokes I've heard before. Whereas oh, yeah. something like Death Trap, for instance, which is a film that. I was completely blown away by Michael Caine and um, Christopher Reeves. And it's basically, um, I talked about it on, on the review, but it, it talks about like a playwright who's in writer's block and he'll do anything to right, get yeah, yeah. the next big thing, including kill a person. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's almost, it's done by um, Sidney LeMay, who did 12 Angry Men. And I, that's also a film I haven't seen that's on the list. Yeah, that would be Because I've heard, Lu, you know, like, obviously, is a big deal. He had a lot of really big films, like Serpico 50s, and stuff. 50s, wasn't it? Uh, 12 Angry Men. Yeah, 50 yeah. 56, something like that. Um, he's had a couple of... I think he had four Academy Award nominations and yeah, stuff like that. Wow. Later that year, he went on to go do The Verdict, which won an mm. Oscar. Um, so he had a pretty big year in 82. But this film just was, like, one of those films that I was just... Saw it in an op shop, bought it. Watched it, there loved it, and loved then it. a lot of these do end up coming either from Netflix or the op shop. So. That's what was actually. That's actually a good point because I haven't asked you about that in terms of accessing these films because I always forget when I. I always forget Netflix is a thing. I forget yes. how many films are on Netflix. So when you when you post about something, I'm like, oh, how am I going to get a hold of that? And I'm like, it's on Netflix. Well, that'll be a thing that we'll talk about definitely. Because um, it's so you're right. It's either Netflix or you go out and buy them. Yeah. Um. So, for instance, Private Life is available on Netflix. Yeah, and that's how I watch it too. When we, we, we go well, the, that. not the favorite in cinemas, you know. Yes. Yeah. That's absolutely. a film I'm shocked is getting like the theatrical run that it's getting. Yeah, it got a real big push because it's so fresh out of the not, lobster too. Not. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so not your mainstream theater going experience. I don't know. I don't think it is. <laughs> it was, I think, it I think was an interesting people, experience. That was a great experience. I, I just think the general audience would struggle with it a bit. Mm. So I'm surprised it's getting the push that it is. I'm glad. I'm glad it's getting the push it is. What about you? What have you... Have you... Well, bro, it's interesting you mentioned comedies because I've been going on this weird Adam Sandler binge lately. Oh. No, no. here's the thing. They're, they're movies that I go to sleep to. So it's it's two in the morning, I'm going to bed and I just put on... I, put on, I don't... I'm like... No, because we're renovating my room. So all the DVDs that I would have in my room of actual good films is not in there anymore. So I just kind of go to the you know the cupboard and what's ever in the, in the house. And there's like, oh, there's like a free pack Adam Sandler things. Like, oh, why well, don't I have to get out of bed as much? Because it's free movies in one. So I just, just control to hit it. Um, but it's just so fascinating because it's like the earliest stuff. You can obviously see the films getting lazier and lazier as they go on. So I'm, like, I'm going backwards. I'm like down to like anger management, Mr. Deeds, you know, Big Daddy. Didn't you say stuff. something about Click the other day? Oh, yeah. I have No, I didn't end up watching Click. I do like Click, but it actually got nominated for an Oscar. I'm not even joking. That's crazy. It got for Best Makeup. Which Jack reminded me, it was like, that's because um, he has like the little flabby tubby thing halfway through and he has like the fat suit he's in. Oh, okay. It's weird that that's like best, ma- I mean, it got nominated, he didn't win. I know. But it's that's funny. still like crazy. Eh? It's a thing that I'm um, like that. But other nominated. stuff that I have been watching that I'm a little more proud to talk about. Okay. So we watched The Favourite together. That was we my did. first movie of the year. Yes. Because even though I'm not partaking in this 365 film challenge i'm still in the same mindset of trying to watch as many new films as possible Absolutely. so i'm keeping a list i mean that's it. a thing that you consistently do as growing aspiring filmmakers exactly and like you want to keep a record of what you've seen what you like what you take away from these films so we got the favorite and we both really enjoyed that we did um um and again uh based on your recommendations or what you've reviewed and come out with i've watched um breath and uh, private life and yeah. um i have 
I have a lot of issues with breath, actually. Well, yeah, we'll, get to that we'll, we'll leave private life because that's got the yeah, big review we'll later on. That um, but yes, let's um, go with let's go with breath. So let's. we can talk a bit about breath because you've seen it too. Obviously, it was part of your yes, challenge. Yes. Um, and it's a shame because it is an Australian film, Western Australian film. Western Australian. It was shot. Yes. It was shot like near Albany. It was like an hour yes. out from Albany or something. It was not far. It's within driving distance of us. Mm-hmm. So you want to you want to be supportive of that kind of stuff. It's based on a Tim Winton book. And Tim Winton's pretty you know renowned for his work. Just as um dirt music. Dirt music, we'll which coming, coming God, in. I'm very excited for that. We little little tidbit because we want to say it before the movie yes. comes out is that we drove past them shooting that film on your street. On my street, we were going to watch Halloween, end of October. And <laughs> wow, it's crazy. On my street, and I live in a cul-de-sac, so there's about 18 houses, and so you know nine on each side. So like pretty small. Three, four houses over. Cul-de-sac. Yeah, it was like three houses over, and uh, actually, I mentioned it to my mum, who said that apparently it's like a um, a lot of like uni students are in that place, kind of in and out. So it's mm. not really like a family in there. It's a lot of like young people coming in and out of the house. That makes sense. They're probably so they probably got a bit of money to uh, lend it out. But we drove past them. It was a huge van, and uh, I think it's cool I think to see stuff like that. It's so cool because it was a very professional. They had a lot of gear. It's one of those things because we're situated <laughs> in Perth, and obviously our industry is far smaller than other Hollywood, aspects of just well, well, yeah, and even yeah. just in other aspects of Australia too. I oh mean, yeah, exactly. Compared to Melbourne and Queensland, everyone's and that, going to Melbourne, man. Ex- and that's go. the thing. So it's it's good to see films like Breath or, or even Dirt Music yeah. get their get their share over here, get a spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like uh, if if it wasn't for Hounds of Love, we probably haven't got a lot of good things. Oh God. Hounds of Love is another thing we watched not that long ago. Yeah. We both love. Okay, but what were your problems with Breath? Okay, so with Breath, I think it's a shame because that's what I mean. We talk about Tim Winston being a renowned um, you know, you know, storyteller, yeah. but I feel like that was my biggest problem with the film was the story. And I think mm. I think everything else about it was quite good. I think the sound work is excellent. I think the actual the actual surfing scenes oh. are really good. Yeah, I almost felt mm. for a moment sometimes I even got completely lost. I was like, did they yeah. just hire surfers? Well, the, the cinematography is so dope in it. Yeah. It's like, those are some good... And you can tell it's real. Yes. It's so real. Like, the how they're getting... It's, it's not fakery. It's not green screen. So, at least, as far as I'm aware of. A lot of people have problems with it. I... I have problems with the story, though. I think the story is very weak. I thought the casting was probably where I thought... I think the story sort of makes sense to an extent, but... Oh, actually, I do have problems with the story, too. For yeah. instance, the father character is a very, okay. like... You feel like he's going to have a part in the story, but he doesn't really doesn't, have a part yeah. in the story. Both the parents don't. For I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me, in the sense because that I mean, my issues don't even go with the parents. Like I get that. Is and it our characters and they should? Sorry. Is it? I think I know what probably grinds your gears a little bit. Is well, it, well, tell me what you think it is. Is it the the affair between the the thing, okay, the thing about the affair. So I guess we're going to sp- spoilers. <laughs> oh yeah, no this this is going to be a spoiler heavy podcast. So, um, especially the topic of the week, the film. Yes, like every that, very every spoilery. week that that will be. It'll start off not spoilery, but we'll break into spoilers towards the end. And I think. yeah, and don't if you haven't seen the film, you want to see it. Don't worry, the affair could really mean anything if you think about yeah. it. Yeah, because I think if you watch it, you don't realize when we say the affair, you don't realize who no. is participating in the affair. All right. But spoilers anyway. Um, I think I think the story before then was very directionless, and yeah, it's 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 all you I know culminating to the coming of age story, which I understand. But I feel like it was it just there was no driving, <laughs> there's no driving question. No, that's fair. Which uh, there was no, 
real direction was going you know it's like i said it's like um if <laughs> if our uh, friend beck uh, were to yeah well, be, uh, to, she would be like like there should be maybe like a, a surfing competition or something like that there should be like and i'm not saying that there should have been i'm glad there isn't but like there should be something of that equivalent there should be something that we're moving towards oh there's definitely there are frustrating aspects to the story um i don't I, like probably it's one of those things when I give a grade for a film, it's that immediate feeling, yeah. whereas not the what is 24 hours after I've watched yeah, the movie Yeah, exactly, what's feeling. kind of the lasting um, impact of it. But I loved Simon Baker's performance in it. A great performance. It. A great performance. Um, I think the boys are probably a little young towards the end of the story because it's meant to be a story that I think goes over a course of one or two years. And I think they I was, started I was, off the I right was, age. Yeah, I was surprised. I was, I'm right. You're, yeah, you're right. I'm surprised that they didn't age as the story went. Yes. Obviously, they can't really do that in a shooting schedule, but... Probably give them stubble or something like that. They're yeah, going exactly. for adolescence. Like they could have easily. Yeah, that's true. They're, they're a little, like, attention. But, like, the boys started off at 14. They looked 14. And they kind of end at 14. But they end at 14. But I think they actually do say, through the narration, that the time transpired is nearly two years. Which is a shame, because it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't. And it doesn't look like it either. No. And I think that's probably where I, I think people get lost in that part yeah. because they they're still looking at a fourteen year old doing things that right fourteen year old shouldn't do. Or, or... Well, it's interesting because like now now this t- takes us to the affair, which I did have issues with because it feels like I understand like looking back and it's like okay I can kind of see they were trying to build to it. I think it was yeah. still too abrupt, still out of nowhere, too uncomfortable, which is fine. You know, it's trying to kind of have that um, shock value. I yes. feel like, but. At the same time, that's the only sense of real tension in the film, and it also, like the rest of the film, doesn't really go anywhere. No, because she ends up just breaking his heart, which I get. But at yeah, the same time, you could have done that with the character, the high school, that he, the high school girl that he has a crush on, or kind of, and they kind of have a uh, thing. She could have been a bigger player. For me, that. I feel like the film's key drive is is fear. And fearing right. and adolescence okay, and tackling that, those yeah. fears. And I feel like it does it to an extent, but it could do better. And I think yeah. it also probably could have taken could have taken a couple more moments to think about it. But visually, if you want to sell West Australia as a location to shoot... Oh, that's a great... It does it. It does do that as a piece. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, a go- it's a gorgeous film, absolutely. Um, and but it's pr- probably... narratively, yeah, I'm just not... Happy. Well, yeah, and I think if you've got the narrative strength that hounds of love carried with the visual compellence of, right, of, yeah. of, of breathe you'd have a really good I think, film i think hounds of love is way more focused as well oh yeah it's, it's a very a way more focused film very it benefits from that simple thriller in a lot of ways yeah. but a good like a really good oh, it's, thriller it's, absolutely yeah but not like trying to be 46 well, layers well that's the thing like thrillers by nature really shouldn't have that many layers unless you can pull it off mm. and it's hard to pull off you know well, for example, um, you know, Science of the Lambs, for example, that has a lot of layers to it. Yeah, well, that's literally the one I was thinking. But of yeah, right now. but it can um, it pulls it off absolutely because it's got great writing, great characters, and so. And I'm not saying that it hounds a lot, but it does have great characters and great writing. But I'm saying a story like that needs simplicity because that's a story, you know, that will benefit from just focusing on this one person, like her horrifying experience with this couple, as opposed to blowing it out and making it this big spectacle and having like all these other you know random plot points kind of interject it doesn't need that 
No, it's you keep keep it simple, stupid. Basically, yeah. that's the the principle you should got to adopt to it. Right there. Yeah. To, uh, no, I like it. No, but um, I mean, breath like every film that I just listed from that three sixty five challenge are uh, either available on DVD, in mass release, or Netflix. So check some of them out. I'll be giving yeah. you the weekly update from now on. Not twenty one movies to just <laughs> just interject. seven. Go uh, a little, little in detail over more of them. That's exactly. Fair. They're either in cinema right now, on DVD, or Netflix. So, nice. Netflix streams. I'll, I'll speed round for the rest of these, because there's a few others. Um, so, over the last couple of months, I've finally watched Black Mirror. Got through that whole series, including Bandersnatch, which I really enjoyed. I thought it was... It's on the list. Really clever. It's on the list. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? I've not seen Bandersnatch. Wow. I think that honestly could probably fit into a review, because it's a movie, isn't it? Or is it's, it a it's, it's a feature, yeah. Okay. But it's like it's choose your own feature, which is fascinating. I think that maybe we should consider maybe putting that to our list. Yeah. Well, I've, I'm, I've obviously already seen it, but um, I'll be interested to see what you do, like the choices okay. you make and stuff like that. It's interesting. I do have little issues with if it was a little too restrictive. You know, when you got you got games like Heavy Rain and stuff out there. Um, you know, the latest Detroit Become Human, Telltale games, where they deal with choice based adventures mm-hmm. way better than Bandersnatch. But I think because Bandersnatch is a is a feature film and the technicalities of shooting a film like that, and the file size is like over five hours long, because of the way the narrative works, no, that's fair. they need all that footage of alternate choices. So it's over five hours long. The file size, if you go through Netflix and you kind of look at the details there, um, so I understand that. But I think ultimately it's a huge achievement that film. It's a different thing. It's trying yeah. something different, which is what you want to see in film. Exactly, which you know, you've got to appreciate it for that. And it does a good job. It's not like perfect, but it's a really good job at innovating. And most things that innovate don't necessarily do a good job at a lot of other things. No, but they lay the groundwork for something that exactly. will eventually go on to. And that's why they're appreciated so mm-hmm. much. Um, but yeah, and, and obviously in addition to that, I watch all of Black Mirror seasons one through four, completely out of order, but obviously it doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed the majority of those episodes, especially the um, post-season two, post-White Christmas stuff, I thought was just, a lot of it was just excellent. Um, cool. Yeah, the Netflix, the Netflix exclusive. Um, yeah, I watched I watched Ralph breaks the internet, better than I thought. It was interesting. Um, this was last year. I watched a movie called Searching, which is um, sort of found footage. I, yeah, I've, it's that is actually on the, yeah, it's the on list. The list. It's on the um, list. Um, it's really good. It's really good. I think it, it's a it's a story that I think actually does it could work without the whole gimmicky. It's all laptop screens and phone screens and stuff. I mean, it still works and it, it kind of makes sense because it is a more realistic situation of a father who's trying to find his daughter who's gone missing. Mm-hmm. And that's how he would do it. He would sit in his laptop and do detective work for there. He would hack into her Facebook and look up conversations, yeah. that kind of stuff. So it makes a lot of sense from that regard. But I think the actual plot and the turns that happen, there's a lot of interesting stuff there that I could be like, even without the gimmick, I would still really enjoy this film. So Searching. I wanted to shout that out. Searching. No, um, it actually is on the list the, the biggest problem with the doing list. my list was <laughs> there were movies I watched in the last week of last year yeah and I wish they would make it so Sweet Country won't be on it unfortunately I saw that last year Snowpiercer um Snowtown there's a lot of like ones that I watched just was, in those last just, yeah there was another one you just watched that you said that you're like I really wish it was on my, my list I can't remember what it was now I can't either yeah, but yeah, okay. I, I had a, a list a lot of good movies but speaking of thrillers yeah. And kind of crazy films we watched. Um, now we kind of go to quickly. This is going to be a very long episode compared to the other episodes. Yeah, this would be long because we've got a lot of catching up to do. The establishing episode. But um, basically, 
we've got a section of our show where we kind of just talk about what's going on in our own careers. Our little careers right there. Which, I mean, the whole oh. the whole point, yeah, of this show is to track where we're going and what we watch and how we learn from people from watching their films. Yeah. So just sort of give a basic sort of gisty update of where well, we are in our own careers. Our stuff, yeah. Like that. Well, it's, it's been a little while since we've talked about things you know, publicly, so I think we can go as far back as talking about um, maybe some of the stuff we were at the end of last year. Yep. Well, you recently, your your most recent thing was Home Again. It was. So um, that's so, on ZKJ YouTube right now. Yep, so ZKJ Productions on YouTube. Uh, our latest film was uh, written and directed by myself. Ooh! Um, sound design was I done did, by Jake. I did sound production. I was on set. And Jake Diagrella and wielded the production microphone. design was by James Norton. And they're the, the kind of the Norton. ZKJ family The ZKJ people. family right there. And then it stars Rachel McCann and Jaden Arts, who were first-timers with me and you. I thought you said first-time film. I was going to what? No. First time on the ZKJ train. No, Rachel was in that one before, technically. She was a oh, voice. Te- yeah, te- <laughs> she's in Cradle. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Which is another thing we've worked on. You, me, and Jack. Um, yes. The three of us were pretty much the entirety of the crew. Yes. And we smashed out Cradle. Um, one day shoot that came out uh, mid was it mid it was like yeah. mid December so, so yeah Cradle Cradle was a shot directed by us and uh, you edited it I edited it and, um, and wrote it um, <laughs> there you go um, just slide my writing credit in there <laughs> oh you've been doing a lot of writing lately a lot of, I, a lot of yeah that's there, sort lot of finished. that's sort yeah. of me right now in my career is just those are out they're both that's out on uh, ZKJ and Cradle's also out on Clicker Clicker because it was a dual, it was a dual production. That was our last dual so, production yeah. of the year. You yeah. also have some more clicker exclusives. Right, right, right. Um, well, we ha- I had the um, I directed the doco Dispelling Dyslexia, which came out tenth of December. Um, so that's on Clicker at the moment. Um, and then yeah, we obviously had Cradle. I'm currently in the final stages of finishing uh, Disconnected, which if you're if you follow Clicker Productions, uh, which you can find on uh, Facebook and YouTube. And, no, uh, and, our, and our website <laughs> at www. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, we're in the final stages of Disconnected, which is uh, looking to be a forty-seven-minute short film, which is pretty insane. And we're looking to pretty crazy. I think that's all some, my things uh... combined, so we wouldn't get to forty-seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty insane. But um, so I, <laughs> you want to talk about credits? I wrote it, I directed it, I shot it, I'm editing it, and I produced it. That's so... pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. So a film by Jake Diagrella, basically. Basically. <laughs> be the easiest way of saying it. Um, but then uh, that's, that stars uh, Monique Brocklehurst and Zachary Cave. And uh, those two are pretty darn good at it, I dare say. And uh, I don't want to tease anything too. I don't want to put a date on it just yet, but I, I want to say the official trailer for it, uh, which is looking to be a lengthy trailer, like two and a half minutes, is uh, coming very, very, very soon. That's good. So look out for that yeah. one. I mean, this section won't be a big section in the future because obviously there won't be there won't be too be... much week to week stuff to talk about production wise. Yeah, no, it's part of but, um, it's just part of our setup. And is there is there one in particular thing you're starting to work on? Yeah, that, uh, so um, currently in pre production, officially um, now because we started probably about a week or two ago looking at locations and stuff. Yeah, we got a script. Um, we got a script. We have back. a script. Another another. I've written another thing. Um, <laughs> no way. All I know how to do is write um, uh. and direct occasionally. Um, <laughs> is a short film, a crime, crime thriller, 
let's go with crime thriller. Yeah. Um, it's appropriate. Titled, currently titled Bloodhounds. Um, that's pretty Sneaky much all I want to say about it. Crime thriller titled Bloodhounds. No, we don't need to say much. We can uh, tease it for a little while. Jake will be working on that. Yes. And James I'm looking, Norton, I'm another ZKJ to, uh, family member. I'll say this, I'm looking to edit it. Yes. So that's, That'll be uh, yeah. a bit different for you. That's, Little bit. I mean, I edit. You, I edit a lot, but this will be the first time we've worked together in anything while I'm the solo editor. That'll so that'll be very interesting. Very so we're fun. we're very excited to deal with that that film next because we like talking about movies, but we like making them too. So yeah, that's true. I mean, it's kind of the direction we want to end up going. So. <laughs> um, what are you talking about? You want to do this podcast the rest of our no, lives? And then we die. No, something tells me uh, we die at forty five. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, like it, it's just a. Like watching all these movies and and reviewing movies, it's all groundworks to hopefully try and you know sharpen your own portfolio. Well, it's a part of. I mean, exactly, it's that, but it's also just like being in, embraced and enwrapped in this, basically, this film culture, if you will, of like you're like embracing films, watching films, making films, discussing films. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say a film's bad, but why is it bad? Why is it good? You know, yeah. discussion. Why can't we talk about it for like 30 minutes and discuss what we actually of... think about it? Exactly. I don't think Breath is a bad film. We obviously just discussed the mm. issues with the story, but it's like, we still think it looks stunning. It sounds stunning. The performances are great. We think there's a lot good about the film, but we want to talk about why we had issues with it. Some of the things we think could have been better about it. You know, we want to discuss these things. We don't want to just sit there and be like, it's fine. Here's a rating. You know, here's a rating out of 10, something like that. Because even though that's fine, it's more fun and more in-depth and more appropriate to actually talk about Absolutely. Because what's the point? What's the point of making films to then just give it a grade and move on? No, absolutely. There's so much more to a film than just the grade. So I think that's why Speaking it's important. Speaking of that, I think we will shift into oh. our first ever major review. Our film of the week. They're here! I just don't want to find myself at 50 in some block association meeting trying to prevent the opening of a new bar. Richard, we're not turning 50 on East 6th Street. I'm 47. Private Life. Private Life is a 2018 American comedy drama Oof. written and directed by Tamara Jenkins. That research. The film stars Paul Giamatti, <laughs> Catherine Hahn, Kaylee Carter, Molly Shannon, John Carroll Lynch, Desmond Borges, and Dennis O'Hare. It's like the entire cast of the entire yeah. film right there. Uh, it's a couple coping with and with infertility uh, struggles to keep their marriage going as they navigate through the world of adoption and assisted reproduction. Mm. This film that, is Jenkins' third directorial gig in a feature uh, following her film Savages in 2007 and Beverly Hills, uh, Slums of Beverly Hills in 1998. Not Beverly Hills Cop? No, no. <laughs> um, I did do research because this is a research, a research podcast type now. Podcast like that. So I'm a huge fan of Giamatti. Oh, definitely. Um, he he surprised me in this film. Uh, I think he was the reason that hooked me to this film. Okay. So well, I how never. Did you, how did you come about it? Yeah. Okay, so I heard of this film through another podcast so just the you're ripping people off i am ripping center. people off and ripping ripping <laughs> off um 
I think that's the whole point of a podcast. They recommend movies, and <laughs> then other podcasts see those. Yeah. No, um, about mid last, like late last year, I was listening to the Film Spotting podcast. Ooh, I still which have is a, a, it's on my list. Significantly larger podcast than us, but no oh, way, man. We're, we're way more popular. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, uh, they recommended it. And that went into me. Also, Jesse Newell from Newell Creative. Oh, recommended Jesse. Uh, recommended this film. I'm pretty sure a while back to me, and then I went on to go watch it. Um, but the Giamatti hook was what hooked me into this right. this film. Since uh, I loved Sideways, which was probably the first time I ever got to see like a real like standalone Giamatti gotcha. deadpan performance, which I just loved. And this film, he definitely goes deadpan. Right. In a good way, in a really comedic way. sort of way. You don't like Big Fat Liar? <laughs> no, not my. Uh... I love Big Fat Liar though. I don't care. But okay, um, I'd never heard of anything that Tamara Jenkins had done before. This. Right. Okay. And she she wrote and directed this film, and my lord, is it a good film? It's a very good film. Very very um very raw film, as we've discussed before. Yeah, it's a very real film is the way i would kind of describe it like it doesn't feel like a sort of stylized version of of a story where it could easily go a more stylistic mm. you know cinema verite style but instead it feels it like not to be that yeah it feels very real in the sense that you feel like you're just a fly on the wall watching this story yeah. unfold between this couple that is barely holding together and that goes into the performance as well i think i think you're right on the money there with the fly on the wall yes kind of um comparison because it, it's true you you feel uncomfortably close to this couple you you feel like i shouldn't be in the room right now this isn't like i shouldn't be yeah. listening in on this sort of thing but it's it's just so good well i think what jenkins is is, is nailed with uh the way she's written it is she's got that perfect essence of we can laugh, but it's kind of more like a, oh, I want a hand over my eye laughing sort yeah, of thing. Because yeah. it's like most of the things you're seeing, you shouldn't be seeing. These are the things that happen behind This is stuff you don't want to hear about, you know. Doors, or, yeah. You know, Man, like, it's so raw. It's so good. And I think it's a story that would have been a hard one to pick. It's amazing that Netflix picked this story up. That's like, right, because it, it was a festival film. And then yes. Netflix grabbed it pretty quickly. Yes. Which surprised me that this wasn't a theatrical release. But it doesn't feel like a film that Netflix would normally target. It definitely feels a little bit... They have a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, dangerous, I suppose, in a way. Funny, yeah, but funny. also dangerous, and the performances are just so perfect in this film. Yeah. They are, like, from, from Giamatti to, like, Han and Carter, they just, like, absolutely kill it. Like, you, like I had not seen anything from... Hayley Carter before. Mm. Um, I was looking up her like IMDb, but I couldn't. Well, I got to hear she plays. She plays Sadie in the film, if you will. Yes, but um, no, you're right. I don't believe I've seen her in anything else. I'm trying to get her good. So she's in stuff like Godless, uh, Rings, oh, Bad Education, which that I've never. seen. No, it. wait, no. Sorry, I'm thinking of um, Sex Education, the new one on Netflix. Oh, okay. Which I tried to start watching the other day, and my Netflix kept crashing for some reason. Oh, that's... I will get to that soon. Um, but no, I thought I thought she was just so good because she's got that level of innocence, um, even though she's you know youth, youthful person kind of crumbling under the pressure of everything around her in terms of her education, in terms and of it's, her parents and stuff. And this is something she gravitates towards doing. Is again spoilers, um, 
because this is a film you want to go in cold. You don't want to really know anything about no. this because it just it just puts you in the situation. Very first scene is uncomfortable, hilarious, and tells you immediately what you're in for. I think for for in with, with stab, the Kaylee Carter stab, well, sort of yeah well, you know or... the um the um I forget the I forget the term um with the needle oh yeah I right I forget the term the, the opening um, scene between Han and Giamatti is kind of perfect and it's that the, injection yeah. of hormones I think it is like to I, make you more fertile I think so I'm I'm trying to if, if shit i can't remember the abbreviation but it basically but... sets the tone for the film in the sense that it's like you're not going to be completely comfortable in this film it's, it's, very it's not much... stylized at all no it's not yeah. like cameras are conveniently placed in situations that hide modesty yeah or it's very much within that first shot it's like a couple of minutes long yeah and it and like you do that to hold on to that kind of tension of oh like i shouldn't be here and I'm not going anywhere. The camera's not going anywhere and I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to have to sit back and watch this uncomfortable situation take place. It's definitely one of those films that I think I went on to go say. um, Some people would not like this film because it's kind of got some raw uncomfortableness to it. But it also has that endearing sweetness to it. It does. And it's it's interesting because there's a lot of places you can go. This is a movie with, with a plot that we don't... We actually don't see that often. I don't think you know, I've ever seen film. Yeah, quite like it. I think it definitely goes to a place where it's like there's. I think a lot of people would be surprised at the number of times a situation like this would happen in a family, um, especially the obsession that it takes with a with a couple. And as you could see in the film, you know, Paul uh, Giamatti's character just gets so worn out by this obsession that he's at the end and this was something that What's from funny? the very 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 beginning of the film you can tell and then he says at the end he's like I don't even fucking want a kid anymore what's funny you you see it from the Giamatti's perspective because you've got the Han you know Catherine Han's yeah. perspective and like the bits where she's just getting thing after thing injected into her yeah and she's basically a like she feels like a lab rat sometimes yeah. and like how it's just wearing her out too and it and and Giamatti's trying to be that anchor, but at the same time, he is just... It's so frustrating. And I can see I can see it from both their point of views, but I can see it from his of... She's she's kind of losing the plot every now and then, especially like in public and stuff. And I can see the frustration that he would have, but then she's the frustration that he's not trying hard enough. One of those... It's very clever. It, not a, not a, it's not a spoiler, but there's a bit where well, Giamatti it's, it's snaps... It's a bit late at this point. Okay, spoiler. well... Watch the, watch well, the damn watch, film. Watch the film. It, like, it won't go into heavy detail, but Giamatti snaps in the clinic and knocks over the flyers oh, that's... but then he awkwardly <laughs> <laughs> see those sort of he's things feel real because he, he didn't do it on purpose really. yeah he was like shit. he was meant to be mad but he didn't want to lash out because he he knew immediately when he overstepped his boundary and that's something he that he took it back films like that could have easily just stepped away and gone no he just snaps and wrecks house with this but yeah. he but and he walks away like a badass. It's like no, he's he's he didn't want to do he that. He felt really awkward, yeah, because he just looks stupid now, and now he's real self conscious about it. And mm. it's it, what I like. There are things that I've, I've like thought too. about with with Tamara Jenkins and and writing this is so many times nowadays writers can quite easily write stuff without really being in a position of relatability. Yeah. Um, big one that I always find that I stick out is the whole 13 Reasons Why is written by, like, what, two middle-aged men. Right. Where it's very but that, much... that definitely is a bad example if you're trying to... 
well, say that it works, yes. for example. Well, there's, <laughs> but whereas whereas Jenkins is around this gotcha. sort of age of okay, these characters, gotcha. she has that degree of empathy. Yeah. Whereas those, like so many times nowadays, people are just writing stuff because it'll either make money or it's marketable. Yeah, exactly. But there's no relatability. Whereas this film doesn't feel like it's going out of its way to you know make money. It's just going out. It's doing what films should do. I think. I mean, even that comparison, the Thirteen Reasons Why, that's an example of how, you know, the rule is you either have to have lived it or do your damn research. Yeah. Do a lot of research and. 13 Reasons Why, an example of, of research gone bad. Yes. Research in the wrong areas. While this film, you can tell that there's such a relatability and that, you know, this person who written, wrote and directed it knows what the fuck she's talking about. Yeah, well, she's in the, she's in this place where she's in that age. I'm not saying she's personally gone through it. I didn't go into that much detail of her life. But yeah. she's in that age. So those, like the dinner scene, like, like Thanksgiving, yeah, yeah. that uncomfortable sort of Thanksgiving meal... And the best part about that scene is it's just so... It starts off one way. It starts off with just that dining room table, but then it... Yeah. Inter- and then it completely takes over its head. And you just... You sit there with your hands over your eyes because you know it's going to happen in this scene. And then when it happens, it could have been... It's even worse than you... Imagine it being... And you know what I liked about that scene? Yeah. Is it wasn't just for the setup for a joke. The oh, scene yeah. then goes on to elaborate... She, um, the character of Sadie, she goes into the the laundry and she's taking out her clothes. Yeah, and her like, mother it takes is just further. They don't leave immediately, and they they move around the house too, like in arguments that happen with families. Yeah, you, you ever you ever notice that? Yeah, when you, have you take it from one room to the other. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I remember, <laughs> like you're not getting out of this yet. <laughs> yeah, when you're having an argument with your family, you start off in the kitchen. Next thing you know, it you're in a yeah, bedroom. In the laundry, Next thing yeah. you know, it you're in a laundry because you just <laughs> the argument is just you can't escape. It doesn't matter yeah, what room exactly, of the house you yeah. go to. And it's like things like that could have that argument could have happened at the dining room table, but it doesn't. It did in, because in a, well, no, that's the thing. It's so clever because it's like it doesn't need to be this big. Now that it's out there, this information's out there. She's come up and said what she mm. needs to say, and then um, it's her mame who says, "I you know if I need to talk to you privately, kind of just rips her into the kitchen." Yeah. But um, her mum, and then that's when it starts breaking apart. Well, that's the difference between stylistic melodrama approach to no, no, we're telling a real story. You're a fly on the wall because exactly. If that was more a melodramatic sequence, the mum would have let everything out yeah. at that table. And, and it would have got everyone involved in the drama. Yes, and it would have just been this big mic drop. And it wouldn't have, like, everyone at the table would have just been mute. And just exactly, it just this would have been argument. a crowd just watching it. It's like, we don't need that. Because then that makes us feel mm. more comfortable in the sense of, oh, we're with all these other nameless characters that yes. we haven't really met, as opposed to taken to another room and then we're dragged into the room as exactly. well. Exactly. And that's, things like that, those careful considerations. And... Like, just the way, even with a film that's meant to feel incredibly real and uncomfortable, visually, it's still beautiful and compelling. It's very beautiful. And it's a dry film. Well, it's... Like, from a cinematography standpoint, but it works. It works. Well, it um, still looks great. Cinematographer, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this. Uh, Christos Vudera. That's how you know they're good, if you can't pronounce them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is only his third, from what I could read, only his third feature. Okay. Um, Did he work? He's been working for about thirty years, mainly on wow, shorts okay. and documentaries. Oh, um, I did. I did read that. I did read that. And yeah. but his two big ones, which I haven't seen either, but were I know were critically acclaimed films before Midnight. So that was a part of the Very whole nice. Before Sunrise and that trilogy of films. Yeah. Um, and Life is Strange, which I know is 
a film that when i read that i was like the video game yeah (laughs) and but the way he shoots particularly that laundry scene it's just gorgeous yeah even though it's a laundry and yet yeah he does does a good job in this film yeah so i just uh I, i was this film was a treat to watch it has a great ending i don't want to talk about the ending because I, th- I think right. to an extent... Um, well, I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is, like, we definitely recommend this film. You should go see this film. This film is available but, um, on Netflix, too, so it's not like it's going to cost you anything to unless you don't have Netflix. Well, well the issue is I kind of want to talk about the ending, though. Okay, well, we can talk about it. We'll, we'll hit complete spoiler territory, because... It's spoiler territory. We'll finish with our, our review with the highlight scene. Well, the thing is, I can actually... I can talk about the ending at the ending of this podcast. Okay. So, I think we can get to that stage. If you want to listen without complete spoilers, continue watching or listening, viewers. Yeah. And we'll let you know when um, we get to that For part. me, the the highlight scene from this from this film was... It's a, it's a, I think it's the scene I tried to sell you this movie on, or it was pretty close to one of those scenes. Okay. Um, there's... It's about... End of the first act, start of the second act, um, and it's just Catherine Hahn, and she's in the, the tub, and she's frustrated, and she's, like, completely spazzing out there, and Giamatti and Hahn, they're about to adopt, or at least have a, an interview to be considered for adoption. Yeah. And she is arguing with Giamatti, who's in the other room, and who is staring at a inappropriate painting or at least he perceives it as an inappropriate painting for an interview it's a a naked woman quite clearly like her vagina's present and it's (laughs) it's a sort of setup to a joke but the the best the best part about jenkins writing in this film is every time it feels like there's a a joke there's a layer of character build with the joke and that's how comedy should work there's a joke but meaning behind the joke behind it all so they're both just projecting at each other. And the way that both the shots, like the shot from outside the bathroom slowly sort of encroaches in and she's just, just eventually gets to yelling at Giamatti who's in the other room and she's not wearing any pants at yeah. all. She's wearing a shirt, but she's got no underwear on. She's just, just completely naked from the waist down. And it was one of those things that plays into fly on the wall, uncomfortable, but real. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, these two, they've been a couple for 12, 13 years, and there are couples that are in their middle age. They already know that no one's going to be over. There's no one who's going to walk in and see them naked yeah. in some, like, funny sort of proposal, the proposal light. Again, it's not It's not flashy. It's not... No, it's not as, trying to glorify. Yeah. It's not, like, trying to glorify... Well, what, her... I, what I mean is, it's like, in any other movie ever, she would have pants on. Yeah. She's just, she would be... have something on, yeah. Whereas this film's, like got that sort of immersion to it where you're like oh well she's not wearing pants but at the same time you're not thinking about that because it's like because they're at that stage of their relationship yeah it does not matter but then it adds that degree of believability i mean the the fact is a story like this there are people around giamatti's age that are way better looking than paul (laughs) no offense to paul giamatti he's a trooper but that's not the point of the story it's like this, they're a couple now. Like, he's clearly, like, like this entire, his life has led him to looking like what he looks like. Yeah. You know, he worked hard, he got a nice house, but he's let himself go physically a little bit. I actually kind of, I forgot about this, the fact that they're both sort of artists. Yes. In their own way, but it, it's not really touched on that much. But 
that 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 story still could have worked in a way if they just had you know office jobs or whatever and that they just yeah. but i think it's actually more because now now that they're you know struggling i suppose artists not struggling struggling like it's not a huge plot point in the film but i think it's interesting because then that that forces them to be together more because they don't have day-to-day jobs to go to no so i think it helps with the intimacy yeah it also because they're not actually financially hard hardship is a big thing too they're pretty mm. middle of like they're not super rich but they're they not well be, they're not well off but they're well off in a way well off enough to sustain a child quite easily if yeah. they don't have a child exactly. and that plays in more into like well we have all the tools well she she is writing a book I yes about this. she's right but that's also a thing she does at home and it, it's in the publishing stage where she's just waiting on the editors and the, um and know, she's had success with other books before yeah exactly so, so she's she's done she's just waiting for the book to come out but she's done her part which I think is actually quite interesting because it's like she's done her part, but the other side in, in similar with her, you know, her body in trying to conceive a baby, where yeah. she's quote unquote done her part, but she's waiting on this other factor to get her to the end. Well, we can finish this book. review with your highlight scene. This will probably be this, this is, is now spoiler. This is spoiler territory just... because I think my highlight scene. I thought about, I actually did think about it for a little while because I wouldn't. I wasn't sure if my highlight scene was what your highlight scene was because I thought it was a great scene. You mentioned where um, Paul Giamatti goes in crazy at the Doctor. Yes. And I thought that was a great scene. I don't know if it's my highlight, though. My highlight would have to be the ending because I was quite surprised at how it ended up. Full-on spoilers. Um, there's a moment when... So the scene we were talking about earlier, they're preparing to meet with this, mm-hmm. basically, agent of some kind to yeah, uh, see if they're ever. eligible to adopt. Yes. And uh, in that in that moment they actually kind of have a flashback moment where they talk about a previous experience they had um, where they found um, this young girl who's pregnant and wants to basically give her baby away once she's given birth and they have all these like conversations there's a technical online. name for that um, um, can't remember what it's called yeah I, there is I can't a, remember for that process couples do do it yeah oh I, I know I know this but shit anyway it doesn't matter um, but they're, they're talking to this they're talking to this girl who's going to basically give that this couple of a baby once she's given birth um and they do this for you know months at a time until they decide to meet her meet her and they go to the diner and she doesn't show up and it turns out she's basically just an emotional uh you know con artist yeah. essentially basically yeah just wants the attention yeah but it, it really shows it leaves a uh, left a psychological impact on giamatti and han yeah um and their characters because they got burned by this, but they also realised, like how much they lost yeah. in that moment, and it's it's but because it's, it's just such the time's gone. They've yes. lost that time, that and that emotional investment else. too. Exactly, and the fact that it, it almost makes it feel like nobody's out to help them. Yeah, you know they got the you know extended family who are saying you're spending way too much time on this. You know we're giving you tens of thousands of dollars and we're losing that money. Yes, and then you've got strangers who appear to give a helping hand and then they just they just con us and they just they just disappear yep so it, it, it's i love that it, it's kind of the words against them in this situation but the reason i mentioned talk about this scene is because it plays into the ending where um the same thing happens it's been nine months after yes. um what's her name i know her name I'm sadie blanking. sadie thank you um after sadie has basically stopped attempting yep um 
And it's and a good little play because it starts nine months later, but there is no baby. There's nothing. It's just it's, a coincidence. Yes. Nine months later. And they get a call with, to meet another person. So it's, they're back in the same situation. And then the final shot of the film is them waiting at the diner to meet with this other but person. But there's a really good bit of chemistry in that scene because it almost feels like... Because the first time they sat in that diner... They sit on each end of the table. Uh-huh. But there is a moment where Giamatti looks at Han, comes around, comes around, sits with her. Which that that's the character arc right there. Literally, that's him. He literally, around the yeah, table. <laughs> literally gone around the table. He's done it. But um, so that that's the point of that scene, and obviously to show that we don't. And it ends. It ends. The credits start rolling over the shot, and we never see if anyone shows up. We never see if and they I get that. Believe it is actually one of those. It's, it's awesome. It's so awesome. It's great too because you sit there and you watch because you're like, oh, well, what if the credits end and someone walks in because the shot's holding? Yeah, Everything exactly. Gives, you and that is the thing. This film is completely immersive. Yeah. Because it feels like you're on this journey. It feels like you're waiting in that diner. You are waiting for that person. Yeah. You're with them, and that's like full credit. It's just full, such a yeah. I reckon it's, it's probably it's, like it's the really hidden brilliant. gem. It was, it was great because this is one of those. You're like you're like you're leaning over your seat, and then when it ends, it's like God damn it. Damn it. Yeah. But um, I I thought that was really clever, and I thought it was quite interesting because the message that it leaves ultimately that you were going to this film thinking like okay one of like you know several things is going to happen one of them being oh they eventually decide to adopt and they don't do that they're still even though they've had character arcs Paul Giamatti's that now kind of in a more supportive side of this yeah. table literally less of but... what like he wants something out of Catherine and, yeah you know, Han and more more in the sense of more kind of ready to we're facing this together exactly yeah. but the fact that the the physical journey of attempting to actually get a baby, they, they're in the same, they're still in that cycle, they're still in the same circle, and obviously there's the hope that they will get out of that circle through this method. That eventually it's going to work if they keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Eventually it's going to work. But I thought that was fascinating. That that's that's where it ended from that point of view, and I thought it was really interesting and well, quite bold actually. Private Life is currently available on Netflix, Netflix. streaming service. Very good. Um, please please go watch it. Uh, it's a banger. Please be excited. Please be <laughs> enjoy it. I think it's a really yeah. it's a banger film. It's great. It's a really great film. It's very raw. We kind of spoiled it for everyone. If you if you well, watched. that's what the point of this but, review. I mean, they carry yeah. they carry spoilers. Um, we'll we try definitely recommend spoilers to a section of the review. That I think way you yeah, guys get, exactly. We'll get give that. you a heads up. But I don't think this film. I think what we can do. We obviously we uh, will preview or tease what we're going to watch in the next week. Which and that gives you guys an opportunity. Breaks us into our final part of the, uh, the show. Um, new to cinemas here in Australia. Mm. This what have week. we got? What uh, have we got, got Zeke boy? M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. That's right. I'm probably. Not that I'm too excited for it because I haven't seen any of the films that lead up to it. Same. But I feel like I'm going to get. Not dragged, but I feel like I'm going to see it because I know a lot of people who want it. We've got Mary Queen of Scots, Skate Kitchen, Lauro, The King. Uh, the Kid That Would Be King. Oh, is that um, the one? Is that the like? <laughs> oh yeah, no. Yep, we're gonna keep keep moving on. Yeah. And Stormboy, which is an Australian Stormboy. I'm quite excited for that actually. Um, I don't know. I will go see it with you if you want to go see yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I I don't know what to actually expect from it. I'm just excited because I, I remember watching the original Stormboy. I've never seen Stormboy years ago in like primary school. Apparently, it's about a, a kid and a bird. That's, pretty much, pretty much. That's a. Uh, I think you need to watch the original Stormboy. 
before watching this one because I believe this is a continuation of that story. Well, um, and then next week on our show, uh, we will be... Dun, dun, dun. This was your recommendation, Jake. This yeah. is your turn. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron's Roma. Ooh, here we go. This is fascinating because if you read the credits and what he's done specifically for this yes, film. Yes, I do. He was he directed... Oh, what, on this film? On, the, on, on that, Yeah, on Yes, he wrote, directed, and shot it. That's crazy. Um... And he obviously is the director behind Gravity and Children of Men. Yeah. So I did not know either. He I didn't know until I read his bio that he did Gravity. I've seen both those films. He also did Prison of Azkaban, the <clears throat> best Harry Potter film <clears throat> by a mile. Funny, this is what happens. You just learn this stuff. Yeah. I liked Children of Men. Mm. And I thought Gravity was cool. But Gravity's cool. That's probably I the watched best it the I same day. Say. I watched it the same day that I started watching Breaking Bad. I love, I mean, the, that, that shot in life, Children of so. Men's iconic. That, like, yeah, one-shotter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like Clive Owen's performance in that film. Right. Um, uh, and I'm looking forward to Roma, because obviously it's much like Private Life, one of those films that... It was actually watch. a financial bomb. Really? Scene, yeah. Like, the budget versus what they actually made from it. To be fair, I'm pretty sure Netflix bought it. So that might have that might have gone into the fact that how much money they grossed yeah. versus how much money they got behind the I'm excited behind to see the it. counter. Yeah, but um, I'm very excited to see it. That was our first episode. We got through it, Jake. Oh, look at that! We got through it. Well, man, we did it. Yeah. See you um, in two years. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, no, we'll be back next week. Yes, uh, this was the Cinema Sideshow with Zeke Morgan Hine and Jake D. Agrella, and we'll uh, catch you next week with Roma. Roma. 